Well, you can talk about films with a philosopher's zeal, or measure them all by box office appeal. But for once in your life, be real. Ground control to Majors Chance and Noah. It's be real, guys. Welcome back, everyone. It's it's been too long. It has been too long. I am Chance, and I'm I'm Noah. This is be real, guys. Two friends in the final frontier. Mm-hmm. The final frontier, as Fred Willard would say. Uh, ooh, um, hate that. <laughs> um. Chance, we haven't talked in a while. What's uh, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole bunch, man. Just getting used to getting used to life in Portland. Uh, writing things, sending them to various publications. Should have one coming out this week. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, which is which publication is that, and what is the thesis of said piece? The publication is called Cut Print Film. It's a nice uh, movie website based out of Philadelphia. Uh, and Great. it is a piece in which I not really reappraise Ashton Kutcher's turn as Steve Jobs because it doesn't deserve a reappraisal, but just kind of excavated a little. And uh, okay. I think the resound- you zoomed in. Yeah, the resounding theme I think is sadness in the shadow of this uh, this towering new Fassbender performance. So, oh, what buddy. what's new with you? You visited Lincoln, and for the first time in years, I was not there. I know. It was so sad. It was bittersweet without your sweet, sweet presence and being able to say things like, Chance, can I crash in your couch uh, for the foreseeable future? (laughs) Yeah. we. I don't know. Did anyone make you listen to Baker Street? No. See? Well, it was it was really funny because like the hot mess was not as much of a hot mess, though I did go karaokeing, which was a huge mistake. At the Beacon? Is that where you went? Oh, I went to the Beacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A place that I lived. I lived in Lincoln for six years. A place that I've never even heard of anyone going. Oh yeah, no, I'd never heard of it either. But we go to the hot mess, and then like I was with a bunch of the graduate students from the English department. What's up, UNL English department? Hey guys. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, after the hot mess, the tradition is we go to the the Beacon for uh for karaoke seven nights a week. They offer karaoke, (laughs) and you walk in there, and it's like four guys at the bar. And then, like, a big back room where this guy who looks like The weekend is just, like, chilling with his laptop and a couple of speakers and a big screen TV and waits for the grad students of various programs to saunter in and ironically do karaoke. <laughs> and that's what I did. Oh, my gosh. Chance and I went to college together, for those of you who are not following <laughs> this story. Um, these references to an obscure college town none of you will ever visit if you have not been there already. Uh, <laughs> Today, we are podcasting about uh, one of the biggest movies uh, in America, and I dare say the world the last uh, three weeks or so. We are talking about uh, The Martian and jumping off of that about... Well, how how do you want to sum this up? Movies where beings are stranded on solar bodies. 
Yeah, I was saying, I was, you know, something about uh, loneliness on a uh, celestial body. Yeah. yeah, the lonely planet, except the lonely except for planet. one of them's a moon. Well, yeah, but it's still like in space where you have to like wear a space suit. Totally. And, and then, so the other one we did was moon, of course, and then we did uh, Wall-E. Yeah. Because he's alone. On Earth. On Earth. Which is maybe the saddest of all. Moon's probably sadder. Anyway. Um... Moon's definitely <laughs> sadder. But before we get too far, and speaking of sadness, yeah. I'd like to read our spot. Oh, good. Uh, this one came in just just under the wire. Um... Just under the wire, folks. All right. But this one pretty much sums it up. <clears throat> Take it away. Be Real Guys is brought to you today by giving up one's humanity in order to achieve larger goals in space. At least two, though potentially all three of these films tonight were made possible by the relentless degradation of humanity in pursuit of achievement, often for financial gain. And we on Be Real Guys insist that you get in on this exciting business model before it's too late. It's easy, you guys. Do you have a lofty space-related goal? Mining for a new compound that could power our planet forever and cleanly? What about cleaning up the world's garbage by sending everyone away for a while? Or maybe it's even continually funded research of the non-specific nature. Either way, no one got anywhere without considering people and their people feelings. (laughs) The first step, figure out what people feelings are. People are surprisingly simple, so just figure out their basic desires. To make money, to be lazy, and to live for as long as possible. Once you train your conscience to ignore those things, they're super easy to exploit. Now take a mistake you've made or a hurdle you've come across that's going to keep you from getting your financial goals. Then, where normal people would give up or ask relentlessly for forgiveness, you swallow that notion and get what you want. Weren't able to undo making the world uninhabitable through deregulated environmental laws? Who cares? Just glue iPads to everyone's faces and send them into orbit indefinitely. Left a guy on fucking Mars? No sweat, just fucking leave him there and use the collective sadness of the country to authorize more funding for the next mission. And are you noticing travel costs are eating into your moon mining scheme? Well, Chance said no spoilers, but suffice it to say, it's really easy to get around. Humanity. It's the thing separating us from living our best lives. Animals don't have humanity, and they don't get depressed. But anyway, fuck animals. If I want something cute to look at with basic mental functions, I'll build myself a cute robot who likes the musicals of the 1930s. Giving up on one's humanity in order to achieve larger goals. In space, sign up today. And remember, just a friendly word of advice. If you're on a celestial body without that many other people, chances are it's cheaper not to save you. I think we should start with The Martian. Okay. So, as we mentioned before, this came out about two, three weeks ago. We're recording this on the 18th of October. And most of the country, most of the world has seen this thing. It did incredible numbers. It's opening weekend and those numbers continued. It is directed by... Ridley Scott, that old Scottish warhorse of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of Gladiator, uh, Alien, uh, Blade Runner fame. You may think, are his best years behind him? I don't know. There's a lot of years behind him. Um, but The Martian is the film adaptation of the book by Andy Weir. 
and uh, it stars Matt Damon as astronaut Mark Watney, who becomes stranded on Mars during a sort of mineral storm. He gets separated from his crew as they are about to go back, and they leave him for dead. It's it's the only way. It's their code, and he is not dead. You, he is definitely not dead. Um, and then he spends most of the movie to use his words, sciencing the shit out of the red planet in order to yep. stay alive in their research habitat. While back home at NASA, Shoatela Giafor, uh, Kristen Wiig, and Jeff Daniels uh, brainstorm ways to save him. So. Anything I'm missing there? Yeah. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, yeah, it's basically this guy's, you know, struggle to see if he can survive on Mars for long enough until they can, like, figure out a way to come get him. Yeah. Every human being has a basic instinct to help each other out. If a hiker gets lost in the mountains, people coordinate a search. If an earthquake levels the city, people all over the world send emergency supplies. This instinct is found in every culture, without exception. I first encountered The Martian uh, in book form. Uh, somebody gave it to me uh, right before an international flight, and I read the whole thing like in one sitting. Um, it is a great book. It's not like a super literary book, but it is like one of the more entertaining commercial thrillers of that genre of the past 15 years nice wow high praise it's it's a pretty i mean if you see the movie like you experience the book okay. it's not like there's anything in the writing that separates it from that so i think you can do one or the other but suffice it to say the movie began in a really good place it's a very compelling story mm-hmm. the science is like interesting enough but not super like heady sure and it's way more in depth. I mean, it's basically like, you know, reading Michael Crichton. Not that uh, this guy is Michael Crichton, Andy Weir. Um, but you get way more science in the book. Sure. Uh, it's pretty minimal. And like just figuring out how he's going to, you know, physically like move like the air thing and the water thing into that rover before he goes on that trip. Mm hmm. So, like, that's, like, way more involved. But it starts in a really good place, and I think that's what makes this movie really good and one of the best Ridley Scott movies of recent memory is that it started with, like, a really good story. Mm-hmm. Jumping off that, we've been working behind the scenes with a friend of ours who's seriously helping us out, uh, and we're going to have the capability to uh, to publish a little bit of writing coming up. And uh, so I wrote a... A, basically like a a guide and an exploration of like the last 10 years of Ridley Scott's movies uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna post in places but I wanted to like talk about some things that were in there and kind of like point toward it um, Ridley Scott as of late just loves like casting people like right down the middle like send them running headlong into type um, and Matt Damon <laughs> Matt Damon is perfect for this role he has like he's got the charm he's got a super conventional sort of like strength and humility but also this kind of like cockiness in his communique with nasa that makes you understand that he's you know got the sand to to stay alive um but yeah he basically just screams rescue me he's he's perfect for this movie 
And the character, too, of, uh, of Mark, what is it? Mark Watney. Of Mark Watney. Uh, is like very much like a Ridley Scott role, I feel like. Because he, you know he thought for like 15 minutes when they gave him this script. Well, we uh, made Guy Pierce look really fucking old for no reason in Prometheus. <laughs> Maybe we can get Russell Crowe to look young enough to have this movie make sense. <sighs> and who said no to that? I mean, like, maybe he even, like, self-corrected himself there. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, this is, like, very much a... It's a movie meant to be played by, like, a movie star with a capital M. Yeah. And and the other thing about this movie is that I think makes it feel... I, I feel that this movie despite its heft and the fact that it's two hours and 20 minutes, because Ridley Scott can't help but make movies to that length, um, is that, you know, he doesn't really suffer that much. Um, and certainly, like, the character doesn't, like, put on suffering. You can imagine Russell Crowe in this movie um, just, like, dying and it getting really dark. Matt Damon right. kind of basically shrugs it all off. With the aid, yeah. with the aid of the plot to to help him, because um, that's that's the other thing I think we should talk about is that uh, the science is really sort of accessible, but like science is kind of a malleable word here because everything that they come up with, and I mean this makes sense of course, but is also like plays into like a predictable plot device. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the great thing about it. You think so? Is that it's like, well, I mean, I think it's what's so entertaining about it yeah. is that it's this perfect mix of like, you know, it makes you feel like you're like using your, I didn't feel like it felt like almost two and a half hours long either. I mean, you, I enjoyed every moment of seeing how he's going to figure this out and seeing like what's next. I mean, and that's a part of this genre too, that's like true. the space movie. And I feel like there's a nod uh, at it at the end where he gives that speech like it's just about figuring stuff out and like how you like these little problems. Totally. And I feel like that's also like the mechanics of the scripts behind these movies. It's like, okay, what's going to be the next problem. Yep. And I feel like this movie like did very well without being too stupid. Cause I feel like that's what this genre suffers from mm-hmm. is like some dumb, like weird device that like doesn't ring true. Like, I oh, mean, sure. like we talked about in the spots, like he just has basic human needs in this one. He just wants to live. Mm-hmm. And so he, how does he get food? How does he communicate? Like basic stuff. Sure. Yeah. In the movie also, we should say does, it wants to make so much room for that puzzle piecing that comprises the bulk of the movie that, uh, Mark Watney is immediately separated uh, from his crew, um, which comprises Jessica Chastain as the captain, Kate Mara, uh, Michael Pena, um, a couple other people I didn't recognize. Yeah, that one guy. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because the the movie splits them apart immediately, and they leave him based on a sense of duty that they all understand there is there's no backstory at all yeah it's funny in the book it begins when they've already left mm. it begins when he wakes up on mars interesting i kind of i dig that i like that idea and but i think but the book is like a different thing because you don't know like if he had even a crew 
Oh, interesting. Until like pretty far into it. And then he sort of like goes through their respective because they left in a hurry. So they didn't take any of their stuff. So he starts going through their stuff. And like that's where he discovers uh, Jessica Chastain's like bad music. Yeah. And like other people's like porn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like he's slowly you start to develop these characters. So then when halfway through you then cut to them in the book you like know who they are. That makes sense. That's a good idea. But I think, but I think filmically, like you need to like at least know, if not care about these people. Otherwise it's going to be a fucking mini series. Yeah, I guess I, I, I understand the need not to use that device. Cause that seems like a risk in a blockbuster movie of this kind. Right. But the thing of them just like, we're all shooting the shit and like that's why we care about each other because we shoot the shit. Um is felt a little tenuous as it went on. But I think it plays into my sort of larger thing about this movie. I think uh I don't know if in twenty fifteen and going forward we will have like great cable rewatch movies, because I don't know when I'll have cable. Um but this would be that. You would probably pop this guy on uh, at any point just to kind of like see the star wattage shine a little bit. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I think this movie has the pedigree that you might see it if they keep the 10, you know, sort of Oscar nominee thing. I think it's got the pedigree that, you know, merit aside, it might sneak on there just for star power alone. Oh, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, what but do you I think it's like think five years like the category though. I mean it's not in the category of like some of these movies you see on cable like the core or like <laughs> deep impact that's or something. not what like I, it's, okay that's not what I mean I guess we're talking I just I think this movie has too much light shining on it that sure. a cable channel would like have the money to buy the rights to this <laughs> like in the next 15 years okay I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the cast in general has the same shine coming off of it as Matt Damon. You're excited to see all of them, but like, I think this movie wastes a lot of talent. Um, Oh yeah. Like childish Gambino, Donald Glover in there for no reason for 10 seconds. My, I ride so hard for Jessica Chastain. She has nothing to do in this movie. Um, but just yeah. sort of like exhibit. But God damn it, if I wouldn't look at her cheekbones in anything. Careful. They might jump off the screen and, and cut you. Um, right. She would tell. <laughs> also, uh, just being a helpful scientist, you know, I really want to see him work more. He doesn't have very much to do here. Um, which I guess it's a huge ensemble cast. I guess I don't know what I want, but, you know, this is not a movie that prizes character writing very much. Right. You just you just enjoy watching all these people kind of be in this story that you absolutely right. know what it is and where it's going. Right. And that's like the like the strain. The only thing that I think that keeps it from being truly great. And tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. But unlike, you know, like Apollo 13 is sort of like my like that's how you hit a space movie out of the park. Would you agree? Sure. Yeah. The only problem with this movie is, like, you never... There's never really that much, like, fear. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I didn't... Like, the, at, at no point do you ever... Like, this is not a spoiler. At no point at all. Like, yes, it's unlikely because he's on fucking Mars alone. Right. But there's no point where you really think he's going to die. 
Like, he, like, bad stuff happens, but it's more like, oh, that was shitty. But yeah. it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, this is this is the last nail in the coffin. Like, he's done. Totally. It's And it, it kind of sets itself up. It sets itself up for that. And I guess maybe, okay, I don't know. Cover your ears for, like, 20 seconds if you really care how this movie ends and you don't see it coming from a mile away. Um, the fact that the lack of backstory that it sets up also creates a code that you know none of the other astronauts are going to like get hurt either because right. he is equal to all of them and that's why they left and that's why they came back like the sort of very down the middle strength and kindness of everyone dictates that there's not really any larger um like existential danger at around 4.30 a.m., our satellites detected a storm approaching the Ares-3 mission site on Mars. The storm had escalated to severe, and we had no choice but to abort the mission. But during the evacuation, astronaut Mark Watney was killed. I didn't want a dark, different movie, but you're not, like, you're not in with Damon at all. Your relationship to relationship to him just like every other character really is a hundred percent like skin deep like they didn't even they didn't give like a dream sequence or like a vicodin od or like or even any semblance of like a 127 hours sort of moment just kind of like peppered in there that i think really could have like upped the emotionalism without making it a different not as marketable sort of movie like i just think they they missed opportunities and so i just think it's kind of like a fluffy centrist sort of movie but on the uh, the flip side of that coin i'm so glad that they didn't like pull a gravity and give all of them like really maudlin backstories <laughs> yeah well i hated that about gravity but there's got to be something right. between those so two, i actually right? kind of preferred having no backstory than a bad backstory <laughs> okay that's fine that's fine but there's yeah there has to be something between i don't know you but you look like you have a dead daughter and i don't know you and i don't know you (laughs) so um Um, what else is there anything else we gotta you want to roll to here well i think like in talking about apollo 13 if we can talk about like how it compares to the last space movie which is gravity yeah sure um well, you know that like a um, like, like basically approval matrix that Entertainment Weekly does, where it, like one of it's like good and bad, and the other's like highbrow and lowbrow. That sounds like what we do, right? Basically, damn it. Uh, but it's yeah. Well, whatever. Everyone has their own pun at Square Chance. Okay. But I felt like this was a pretty. The uh, The Martian was a pretty like down market, but like you know, decent movie and kind of like hung towards the middle. But then it, it was almost inverse of my problems with gravity. Cause I thought gravity was so good because I felt, I of course saw that like in 3d and everything mm-hmm. and felt like I was in that fucking spaceship with her. Yeah. It was like terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But then like the story was garbage. Right. You know, also, oh, also I, see what you're saying. Ends, I agree with that. So it's like that inverse kind of like my problems with this one were the opposite of my problems with gravity. But I think ultimately they ended up for me like kind of in the same spot overall. I see what you're saying. And I would mostly agree. I To bounce off of that, what you, what you said, I would say that I think, I, th- I don't know. I think that I was under impressed with the visuals here. I expected to be like... 
yeah, taken a we little. Talk about that. Yeah, taken a little bit more because, I, you know, I, and this is in the, that piece as well. I don't think that Ridley Scott doesn't build worlds in like a way where he like cares about attention to detail he like creates a world synthetically and then swoops these giant camera teams through for you to see it um he basically just creates the visual by giving you um some fairly conventional but like often with some majesty camera angles and i just really wasn't impressed with what we got here i think uh I think a lot of the visuals um, even that were exciting about Prometheus in terms of uh, storms and foreign unlivable planets, we didn't even get those here. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what this movie would have looked like, you know, with like a Danny Boyle behind the camera. (laughs) It's always the wonder, isn't it? Well, because, I mean, Ridley Scott, I mean, if you look back at his early movies, like specifically, so, I mean, you have to compare the two because he did Alien. Sure. And Alien, he just didn't have the budget for wide shots, so he just didn't do any of them. Mm-hmm. And it made it a very claustrophobic movie. But this one had, like, you know, it'll probably be the biggest budget movie of the year, I'd imagine. Uh, Up there, for sure. He just, when in doubt, he's just like, well, we've got money to burn, so get a camera from that helicopter over there, go over this desert, and then we'll, like, turn the tint towards red and call it a day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know how they got... Or it's CGI. Actually, the, it, the CGI was pretty good in this. But there's, like, not that... Having, like, a slow-moving camera going over what is essentially just a big red desert, like, wasn't super interesting. It's true. To talk, to to look ahead a little bit, I think... Honestly, like the, the the visuals in this movie were no more impressive to me than the visuals in Moon, to be honest. Um, and then look well, at Moon is a, was a movie made for five million exactly. Dollars. And then look at the difference in budget. So yeah, that that shows you sort of the lack of visual yeah. foresight and ambition going on here. Which again, I guess, just yeah. makes it more. He, I'm not asking a 78 year old man who hires out cinematographers to be Alfonso Cuarón, but uh, yeah. I'm entering this log for the record. This is Mark Watney, and I'm still alive. Obviously. I have no way to contact NASA or my crewmates, but even if I could, it would take four years for another manned mission to reach me, and I'm in a hab designed to last 31 days. So, in the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this. I would call this movie um, bad good, and I, I hope that I would have reinforced that argument. I th- I think I've, I've found the the plot and the characters to like not really do that much work, and I but but I, I of course I the plot the plot's the whole movie. Yeah, I, I mean I know. What do you mean the plot didn't do very much? Okay, well. It's. I mean, it's all the same. You don't even know what plot means. It's one. It's one note of plot, is what I'm saying. We, the whole movie's plot. It's no characters. It's just plot. I'm saying it doesn't have to do that. You can you can criticize it for the characters. It doesn't have to do that much work because you tee up one problem, you knock it down. You tee up one problem, you knock it down. Which is fine. It's fine. It's not impressive. It was it wasn't impressive though. Um, Everyone's a critic. <laughs> but it's of course super watchable. I would never. I wouldn't say it's not watchable. So bad, good for I me. I think this movie. Chance is wrong. I think this movie is good. Good. Oh, uh, you and everyone else. 
It's got everything you want in a film-going experience. It's got laughs. Except for good visuals and characters you care about. It's got laughs. It's got heart. It's got Mars. It's got Matt Damon. Thanks, Richard Roper. It's got a guy pushed to his limits. He's not pushed to to his limits. He's looking pretty bad in that butt shot. That... That was the most token shot. I couldn't believe that that movie went for that after not earning it. Like, <laughs> I can believe after the lack of suffering and psychological damage that they were going to hit me with a weight loss shot from a body double. That was gross. Yeah, they kind of like reverse Chris Evans, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was weird. But I liked it. Good, good for me, mm. which is what everyone else on Earth thinks as well. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't see it. There's no reason not to watch it on your 12-inch laptop screen, though. Wow. Um, well, where do we uh, where do we look ahead from here? Um, I feel like the natural segue is Moon. That's fine. Let's do that. So Moon is the 2008 nine. 2009 uh, independent film starring Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Where. And basically, that's it. And a little bit of Kevin Spacey in there is is Hal. Um, Gertie? And yeah, we're... Well, yeah, I mean, the, but he's playing like the 2001 A Space oh, Odyssey sorry. computer role. That reference went over my head. God, you're such a rube tonight. I know. Wait, what do you mean other in other places? You don't even know what plot I meant. know what plot I is. Don't, I maintain that you probably still don't. <laughs> um... So, yeah, Sam Rockwell's at this, like, mining camp on the moon because they threw a, an infomercial at the beginning. They tell you that uh, this company developed turning moon rocks into helium-3, which is, like, this clean burning energy. And, yeah, so they Sam Rockwell's up there, like, overseeing by himself this mining operation. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, without any spoilers, that's pretty much where it leaves us. Yeah. I guess you know you know very quickly, very, very quickly that, you know, something is not right psychologically with him, that he has a screw loose. He's seeing people, he's seeing things, and you know that within the first 10, 15 minutes, right? Yeah, he's a little, well, he's been there for, he's, he's in the last two weeks of his three-year contract. Yep. And after that expires, he goes home and gets to presumably, like, see his wife and his kid and then you figure out pretty quickly that like something happened with the wife like that led him to take this like three this undesirable three-year space contract. That's right. Sam Bell reporting to Central. Everything running smoothly. Over and out. Rock and roll. God bless America. Is this a quint can I, let me ask you this, sorry, before we before we just dive all the way in. I think this is a quintessential, like, oh, I've heard that's good, but I've never seen it movie. Would you file it under that for most people? Yeah. I mean, it's like an indie movie that's miraculous that it was made for the budget it was sure. with, like, a pretty smart script. but And it, like, led to, I guess, this guy doing other things because Source Code was, like, a big budget movie. Yep. Um, you know, but, yeah, I don't think this is – I mean, it's definitely an underappreciated film right though my question after having seen it now twice is does it deserve to be appreciated (laughs) well see i haven't seen it once i so i feel like a lot of people are in the boat of um it's known as being underappreciated but like no one 
no one really cares enough to appreciate it. And that, of course, is connected right. to your question. So, I mean, I do think, I mean, it looks like a much more expensive movie than it mm-hmm. is. And I think it's a crime that it's not a movie that's, like, thrown out more in terms of this sort of space genre. Sure. Um, a misdemeanor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing you could do time for. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, I think like the reason that it's not discussed more is cause it's like a version of a couple of better things. Yeah. Well, if I can, if I can say Sam Rockwell is the perfect, um, person on the other side of the fraction from Matt Damon here. Matt Damon is oh, your yeah. million dollar A-lister who says, rescue me, help me. Sam Rockwell is the perfect, he's a little cheap. He's a little off. He's very good, but just like this project, he has that feeling of being a little dusty and a little ignored and a little undervalued. Right. Well, what I think is so fascinating about his character, and I think that's what makes the movie good is his character, but the idea of he didn't do this to be like an astronaut or like discover like, you know, new worlds or something. He literally just took this as a job. Yeah, he's just... And it becomes... It becomes pretty clear, like, pretty quickly that it's, like, one of the few jobs that he's qualified for. <laughs> it's true. And I think that that plays into the idea that this this movie is bleaker than the other two, and it's bleaker than a lot of Help Me, I'm Stranded movies, because I think this movie in some ways purports to just be about loneliness and what sort of right. toll that takes and what sort of person, as you mentioned is fit for those right. circumstances. And the other and movies are all about also, rescue. They're all about ultimately inviting in the antithesis. And this one's just about being there. Right. Well, this movie also is the only movie with a real twist. That's true. Um, and I think like a, another movie would have had the twist be like the climax of the movie, mm-hmm. but instead the twist is more of like the inciting incident for the movie. L- yeah. Right. Though I think, like, on a narrative level where the movie fails is that the if the twist is going to be the inciting incident, it needs to come way earlier. It's true. It's, well, yeah, you it's know? weird. Like, I could have I seen... Well, are we going to talk about spoilers at all or no? Why don't we? Um, as, I, guess, I guess I sort of qualified the movie being underseen because I feel like a lot of people know that it's good and know that there's a good performance in it but haven't seen it. But I feel like... After watching it again, like, you don't see this movie for the spoiler, and it comes so quickly that, like, it's almost incidental to, like, what the movie resolves to say. Sure. I think it comes about halfway after you know something is definitely awry. So I would say, guys, if you truly want to see this movie, if you endeavor to see this, uh, skip ahead, like, uh, ten minutes? It turns out that... uh, uh, going back to the the spot for the show, um, so this company that makes this this uh, chem- or this harvests this chemical Lunar from the moon, Lunar Industries, they're running into the problem of it costs too much money to train somebody right. and to find somebody who would be willing to do that kind of contract for three years, and to safely get them back and forth that they decide to just find the guy who's most qualified and presumably pay him enough money to allow them to clone him. Mm -hmm. And so every three years, 
the clone like has a half like uh, has the life of three years and then it dies. Yeah. And then they wake up a new clone and they're like, oh, you just crash landed here. Like, are you feeling OK? No wonder we can't explain your memory loss. Yeah. And then he goes to work for three years and then dies. This is weird because and you already mentioned how quickly um, the twist comes as the inciting incident. It, but it's also a movie that like sort of had the opportunity to savor its central mystery and still doesn't like it. it right. I was really surprised how quickly it used the word clone because when the, re- right. the reveal happens where, so the, the Sam that you know is Sam survives this, this crash um, when he's out right. checking on the helium three harvester um, and he lives and he's not supposed to. And then uh, because, because the new clone goes out and rescues him and you see them together right. and one is beat to shit and kind of nerdy. And the other is like the top gun version of Sam Rockwell. Um, Was Sam Rockwell on the first day of this three year yeah. thing instead of being on the however many days later, two weeks from the end. But it's, it's so weird to me because when you see them looking at each other, you're like, I think, I think most people, I mean, tell me if I'm dumb, but like you think that he might be having like a split personality disorder. And it's super weird that the movie is like clones, like so soon, like it does not care at all about the reveal of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it could have, well, that's the thing too, is the movie itself doesn't allow for that sort of like, am I crazy or is this guy really here yeah. kind of moment right. because of the, like of the narrative device of, everyone thinking he's dead so they make another one because then the perspective shifts to the new clone right so then he, he this is a, arguably a new character you're introduced to who then finds the first clone right so you're already in two personalities you're in that close third person that you don't you know they're both there yep they've you've seen both of them like be born in a narrative sense so, I mean, the first one was the first guy you were introduced to, and the next guy you saw him, like, come to life. Yeah. But ultimately, I think what's most interesting about this movie is seeing Sam Rockwell play the same man three years separated. Agreed. And plus three years of complete isolation except for this robot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think he does it very... Well, I mean, I think he's the kind of naturalistic, off-kilter actor who can deal with that kind of thing. At certain points, you empathize and relate with both versions of him. The one who is in better shape and has a better haircut, and the one who's been beat to shit and keeps like carving these little models and 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 of course you also at at a certain point in this movie you think about like how on earth did they shoot this and this guy still feels comfortable um talking to someone who's not there and it's a testament right. to the quality of performance that he does right i mean it's it's definitely like a master's class in the you know the dual screen acting thing totally and this this also is the reason um you know people talk about sam rockwell differently than other supporting actors of his same um, like market level because of this right. movie, I think. Like when Sam Rockwell shows up in a supporting role equivalent to like his crazy ass Green Mile turn, um, people oh, yeah. are like Sam Rockwell in a way that they are not like Barry Pepper, <laughs> even though they probably are paid the same. <laughs> oh, Barry Pepper. So, yeah. Uh, that was nice. Thank you. Yeah, Sam Rockwell's great. And the only reason to see this movie, um, 
And because, like, that's the thing is it's not a Hollywood movie because the twist is not the twist. Right. The twist is seeing once these guys figure out that they are there, like, what do they end up, what are they trying to accomplish? And that, I think, stumbles because it just unearths a world of, like, plot holes that, like, doesn't make right. a lot of sense. You know, like, the fact that they find this room where there's just, like, a bunch of clones and it's, like, Sam Rockwell in his, like, mid-30s. And it's, like, but how do they like, grow all these guys and why do they decompose? And then, like, they're unable to con- – like, they claim throughout the movie that, like, some solar thing, like, knocked out their satellite. But it turns out that there are just, like, five – jammers that the moon company has installed <laughs> yeah. to like keep him from talking to the outside world and like this is not doesn't make any sense and this sort of foreshadows my rating but i think the things that are good about this movie like work on an intellectual level like not a watchability level because i think that once you once you know that he's a clone you start thinking about his lack of value in this uh, sort of like exploitative um, basically capitalist scheme to just like keep this super actually sort of super important thing running and providing energy considering the debilitating energy crisis you saw in the opening credits and yet the fact that you know he's a clone to me sort of devalues the performance in the way that like you I began not to care about what they wanted. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Well, it's also a stupid concept for a movie. <laughs> like if you had 75% of the world's energy was dependent on like moon harvesting, they would fucking have the technology to have multiple people up sure. there. Like, I don't understand like this corporate cost cutting like allegory when like, if you were the like seventy five percent of the world's energy, like you were making trillions of dollars a second, right? Like, like the money thing, like wouldn't it? What doesn't make any That's sense? That's true. That doesn't hold up at all. Why? Yeah. Why would you do this? I mean, and then if we're gonna get into like the other criticisms I have of this movie, it's I hate. I mean, I love. I think that Kevin Spacey does a great job with what he's given, but I just don't like the idea of like the human talking to robot thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do much for me, except if it's done in, like, a new way, and we'll get to Wally in a second. Sure. Um, <laughs> like that you but... say it like Wale the rapper, <laughs> and not Wally, know, like Wally. he says it. I don't think it's Wally, is it? Wally. I, I think most people say it Wally. Wally. You say it, you say it Wally like the DC <laughs> rapper. I love it. Okay. Okay. Anyway. That's fine. I think that's how it's said. Um. I don't know. I almost think of the idea of having, and I find this too, like when I see those Amazon commercials for that thing you put on your kitchen counter that like tells you the news or whatever. I just think the idea of vocally interacting with a computer is like a very 20th century way of thinking about computers. I think that's true too. I, I think also because it assumes, I think it assumes at some point, and in this, this movie it's reinforced with loneliness that like at some point you start talking to it, like it's a person but i don't actually think that's a barrier that you cross you know what i mean right and i think it's interesting like the martian understands that we're like a text and language interested people and like that's the way you communicate the most amount of detail yeah 
is through text. So it doesn't make any sense that like there's a robot that makes his breakfast and speaks. Right. Like the dude can make his own food. And like if he was allowed to G chat with his wife or whatever, like that would be an interesting movie where they don't cut down the communications and he can still G chat at his wife. It turns out it's like interacting with an actor or something. Like I would watch that movie. For sure. But I feel like this one, like, was like, oh, 20, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was the only other movie made in space. And <laughs> I have to subscribe to those, both politics and aesthetic quality. And then you have this movie. Uh, how do you rate this guy, Noah? For the master's class in acting, I'm going to have to give this a good bad. Agreed. Because I just don't think, like, this is the second time I've seen this, and I, like, it's, once you know, like, the twist, and once you know the, like, how it ends out, like, it's not, I mean, there's nothing that interesting about it a second time. But it's it's enjoyable on first watch, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the Rockwell performance is as advertised, and I think a guy losing his mind in space is as watchable as you would think it is. It took me a minute to, yeah. it took me a minute to watch this movie because it's like, God, do I want to watch Sam Rockwell lose his mind in space today? Or do I want to do something else? So, right. Yep. It's a one man show. And if that's your thing, you will enjoy yourself. Yep. It's 90 minutes, which helps. Yeah. It's quick. So to the, to the final film, To the final film, the last frontier. Um, Quick, can I can I interject a weird question? We can edit this out if no, it leads here. nowhere. Um, I sort of felt that. Did you feel at all like The Martian worked well because of how social media has like wormed its way into how we think of human communication i was thinking i was thinking about the sam rockwell character at the very beginning of moon and how like if you know that you are truly alone truly alone you may lose your mind in seclusion because you know that your communication means nothing and i know that the video camera and the recorded video messages are just like a device in the martian but i wonder i wonder if it resonated more with audiences because like here's this guy who's like gets to record and say all these snide things and be confessional all the ways that we like to use social media making vines man yeah and just sort of the assumption is that like they may reach someone someday somehow which is basically I think how we use something like Twitter or Instagram, like this will reach someone someday somehow. And that in in its own way, that makes it worth my communication. Communication for communication's sake keeps you sane because it reinforces ego as opposed to realizing that you're truly alone and nothing that you do or say matters even a little, which is probably more the reality. But that Matt Damon character maintained all the qualities we like because he behaved like we do. Okay. So, yeah, no, I think Martian does, like, sort of, I mean, we can, and a younger audience can, you know, see themselves in him. And I know, I I mean, he has very 21st century concerns, and I think that's what makes both the book and the movie good. Word up. Should I talk about Wally? Yeah, buddy. Wally doesn't have a Facebook account. No. No, he doesn't have anything. He loves the 20th century. That's his favorite thing. Can we 
Well, tell us the plot of this one. So Wally is the 2008 uh, Pixar movie uh, about the trash, like the last surviving trash compactor robot on Earth after energy and wastefulness on Earth have led it to be um, infertile, basically, of supporting any sort of life. And this one last robot, Wally. Um, has basically developed sentience by through I guess perseverance or just like constantly working and and collecting and being sort of like an archaeologist uh, for things that used to exist in the year 2805 so he's uh, and humans supposedly left planet earth 700 years before on sort of like a luxury space cruise liner Brought to you by the company By and Large, <laughs> which you get was also sort of responsible for the uh, waste crisis that, that led people to believe to leave. So, Wally uh, is left on the, yeah the planet for seven hundred years and basically becomes you and me. Chance, if it stands to reason, someone who just goes home at the end of the day and watches the same movies over and over again. <laughs> Yeah. Hungry to discuss with anyone and show them, you know. It's true. It's very true. So, yeah. But then one day the spaceship lands and drops off another sort of similarly sized robot. And uh, the this one robot falls in love with this other robot that has the capacity to also love. 700 years into the future. Mankind will leave our planet, leaving Earth's cleanup in the hands of one incredible machine. His name is Wally. After all these years, he's developed one little glitch. A personality. He's extremely curious. And just a little bit lonely. But all that is about to change. For context, by the way, uh, critics would probably call this the start of Pixar's second great run of movies, uh, which sort of cemented it as top flight entertainment for uh, the generation after me and Noah, the people who, um, like Toy Story, Bugs Life, were huge. Sure. Um, but so, so what was their what was the run that they described? This, this Incredibles. Uh... This is this is what I'm inferring. I think so. Wally comes after Cars and Ratatouille, which you would probably say was a cold spot, and leads oh, into. I kind of liked Ratatouille, but keep going. I mean, most people like all Pixar movies, but are you trying to do a kitchen movie genre with a uh, burnt Ratatouille and uh, no reservations with Catherine Zeta-Jones? <laughs> Just saying. Oh, and the people have spoken. <laughs> This movie leads into Up and Toy Story 3, which then leads into oh, yeah. Brave and Inside Out. So, um, yeah. I think, well, this is what I sort of love and hate about um, Pixar movies. Yeah. Uh, is the fact that, I mean, the production value is absurd. Yes. Incredibly well done. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it tugs all the right heartstrings. At the same time, however, the politics of this movie are so like 
I mean, in most Pixar movies, the politics are so, like, so far to the extreme left as to make Bill Maher look right wing. <laughs> um, you'll have to say more, because sometimes I feel like Bill Maher is right wing. Any, well, maybe. <laughs> he's our, he's our, well, I'll self-disclose. He's, he's like our Rush Limbaugh or something. Sure. Anyway. Well, this movie basically is saying in a very subtle, like, Bambi-esque way to children, like, the global warming is real. And, like, the corporatization and big corporations, like, only have the worst things in mind. Right. And, like, bring back, you know, like, this very cooperative sort of, and like, human resilience and, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, that we are doomed to you know, do something horrible if we let the world continue in the way that it has. Yeah, this movie has a super dim view of humanity. and I mean, just the way that, like, The Incredibles is, like, a pretty dark look at celebrity. Yep. And uh, what was the one I saw? Oh, The Inside Out is a pretty dark look at, like, how innocence is lost, like, on a scientific level. Yeah. I, I just find that their best movies are also the most, like, I mean, they're so dark and they're so like their politics are so like strange. Well, this movie is interesting. I agree with definitely a good chunk of that. This movie is interesting because unlike a movie like Inside Out or some of the more successful like universe anchored movies like Bugs Life or Monsters Inc. or Toy Story, any of the Toy Story movies, which are all like come under this microscope to the nth degree and you'll see this like beautiful world that exists on its own with its own set of rules and its own jokes and all of these things. Um, this movie, and strangely it wasn't cause I had, I looked it up. This movie feels like the short at the beginning of Pixar movies expanded into 90 minutes where you right. just like are dropped in on one thing and you have to like learn the rules of like what it can do and what's going on. It's less, I don't know. It's less encompassing. It feels very lonely. And then it just like slowly zooms out for 90 minutes. Well, that's what I think is so like good about this movie is that it's ambitions are so small that you think it is the, the, you know, the short. And then it, it keeps its ambitions like really small. But if you look at like, how big they actually are. Well, and that's another one of my questions about the darkness of this movie. So in what's the year you said, Chance? 2805. In the year 2805, there are what? 10,000 people left alive. Sure. Like that's, that's really, that's like a really dark thing to say. Cause I feel like it runs into this weird point where those specific holes start to jump out at you. I think that the, the robot love story is kind of like beautiful and it is very small as you say, but it's ambitious in what it tries to overcome because it overcomes a lack of dialogue with the beautiful animation that's always made these movies so successful. But, um, I don't think we have to worry about spoilers for this movie. Uh, the revive surviving humanity is fat, gross people who cannot even stand up. They are they are sheep with, as you said in the spot, iPads glued to their faces. And but I had this weird moment where you see all the people on this cruise liner because Wally goes there later in the movie, 
and they're all there's no kids because they can't show child obesity because that would be too sad. I mean, I agree, but then like on the that yeah, it's this sort of on the macro level, it's a very bold idea, but on the micro, the storytelling level, it's just a love story. Sure. But I think my only issue with the movie is like the love story. Really? I I just think that like the idea of giving not only sentience, but like real, like playful, like pure love to a robot is like, it's like kind of a pretty large suspension of disbelief for me. Like I can be in like to animals and stuff like that. And I can be into like, you know, monsters or whatever, or feelings have feelings. But I think just buying the idea that like a robot not designed to interact with other things, like it's not a humanoid. It's, it's a robot that's only function is to find garbage and make it smaller. Yeah. It's true. I'm okay with the anthropomorphization of of Wally. I I like the the first thirty minutes of this movie are my favorite part. I like the fact that uh, Eve, the biological examination robot who came down to see if there's life on Earth, I like that it is a higher life form than Wally. Like it it has a incredibly powerful gun <laughs> on its arm and and it right. can't dance. Um, I I liked. I mean, it's definitely like a James Cameron character or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. I really liked the the movie. Fell apart for me when it went away from those two being stranded well, together. I... Chance, uh, can you give me one second? Yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing any more of that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. We're not the big wigs that you take us for. Um, we no, have... we're just just scared children trying to figure out which end is up. Absolutely, and so we just had a podcast interruption just now. We did, and uh, I saw a uh, a small furry intruder enter my apartment, and uh, mm. had to run to the twenty uh, four hour corner store uh, and pick up. Um, you know, a, a, a request uh, for this this new friend to, to leave my apartment as quickly as possible or be killed. So Noah's, Noah's own Pixar movie gone awry. Happened. Right. No so. no Ratatouille in this household. <laughs> well, pal, I think where we we were probably closing in on a conclusion for Wally, right? Yeah, I think so. This is interesting because I started thinking about this. Um, in the context of the one other Pixar movie we did, I think this movie, I'm going to call it good, bad. Cause I think the parts of it that amaze me, the minimalism, the fact that you could create a sense of the adorable from silence and sprockets. And then the, the fact that it does have this weird or not, I guess not weird, but just, um, out of place take on like what might happen to us as a human race. Those things don't really resound by the time that I'm done with it. Um, like I'm, I'm amazed that they're able to do achieve what they do with these little robots. But I think there's a reason that, that, that Wally doesn't stand in people's recollection of the best 
Pixar movies, as critically beloved as it is. So, good bad for me, because I don't want to put it on. But also, I did we call Inside Out good bad? Because I might want to change on the record to good good. Because I would like to watch that movie again right now. And I have no desire to watch Wally again anytime soon. See... I'm kind of, I kind of feel, and I think I gave Inside Out good, bad, too. We both did. Um, but I, I think I'm on, I think I, I feel the same way about Wally. Um, and also, I, I, we didn't talk about this yet, but I also found the ending pretty dumb. Yeah. Like, somehow, because this one tiny little plant can grow, somehow, like, you know, the oxygen is now at a breathable level again on Earth. So they come back and they're like, oh, we're here. Totally. There's really no explanation for how they're going to like, other than having like that field full of clovers or something, they don't really give any explanation for how we're going to save this planet, which is still in the disrepair it was when we left. Mm-hmm. So these people who can't speak know. or think or walk are going to... Yeah, they, some of them, their bone structure has become one with the chairs upon which they lounge for 700 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a weird, and I just, I just honestly, this for me, it was the biggest like Pixar leap of faith, uh, suspension of disbelief of all of them. I think okay. for some reason. Sure. And, for that reason, I'm going to have to give it a um, uh, good, bad. Yeah, I think right that's on. about right. Right on. Well, folks, that brings us that brings us to the end. Yeah, any other overarching questions about this genre? I guess mine is, you know, going back a little bit, like what, what are these, what does each film say about the idea of loneliness? Yeah, um, I guess that it's understandable enough that a robot could do it and that it's understood enough that a movie like The Martian could kind of not do it uh, and it's dark enough that right. Moon is that Moon is just ab- about it, ab- about a person seemingly losing their mind before the plot twist of that movie. But right. Well, I think yeah. it's interesting that, that The Martian, which is arguably going to be the biggest box office success, is the only movie in which love is not the answer. That's true. You know, because even in Moon, like the two Sam Rockwells, like one gives the gift of being of playing his role at the end so this guy can go home, even mm-hmm. though it's not really his home. Mm-hmm. So that's an act of love, I would say. And in the Pixar one, I mean, in WALL-E, it's so... I mean, it's the, these two robots like finding camaraderie and kinship is the warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you leave the theater. But with The Martian, up until like even the epilogue of that movie, which arguably shouldn't be there, um, <laughs> he just loves himself. Yeah. And he never – there's other than like the dramatic weight loss and the, um, you know, being a little loopy by the ends, he's pretty with it. Yeah. Throughout the whole film. And he has this resolve that, you know, these are just little problems that I need to figure out one by one and I'm going to get there. Yeah. And maybe that Jacksonian bootstrap nature uh, is what's so appealing about The Martian. But I just think that's interesting that this guy doesn't get lonely because he's got his problem solving abilities. Totally. And I, I think that's kind of what I was trying to express earlier about 
you know, what, what 21st century technology does for us. It instills ego um, in like not necessarily all good and not necessarily all bad ways, but all these other movies are about like, watch what one living organism or one, one sentient organism does when it's crushed by the weight of the universe. And the Martian is what is one being with higher consciousness do when it knows that it's better than all the desolation it lives. So yeah. Right. It's, you can see why it's appealing. Hopefully, we will be back with in your guys' ears soon with more fall movies and hopefully with more guests coming up. We really enjoyed having Murray Pomerantz on the last Johnny Depp episode. Right. And we want to keep it up with these, uh, with these voices that are not Noah's and mine. So... Yeah, I think that I think that does it for us, Noah. Thank you. Chance, a pleasure. Yes, and we will talk to you, listeners, soon. Thanks, guys. Take care.